Having agency is defined as the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. Tune in to get an inside look at the inspiring uphill climb of businesswomen from around the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Gillihan, and this is Woman-Owned Agency. Hi, Anne. It's so great to have you with me today. I am so excited for this conversation. Uh, We have been partnering together for a little over a year now, and it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, you've got amazing clients and you do amazing work. And we just have so much trust in the partnership. But for those in our audience who don't know who you are, um, would you introduce yourself and introduce Canopy? I'd love to. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. So my name's Anne Stefanik, and I'm founder and CEO of Canopy Studios, and we design, build, and support websites for clients who want to make a positive impact. My job as CEO is I spend half my time working on the business, doing CEO-type things, running the business, helping the leaders, and then I spend 50% working in the business, doing strategic business development and kind of helping the, the projects move forward. Awesome. So what was your journey kind of coming into this role? Like, what did it look like for you? Well, it's all very organic. So I grew up in a household of artists and entrepreneurs. So my dad and my mom were both artists and they also were very entrepreneurial. And then my stepfather was a very typical, uh, very energetic uh, entrepreneur. So I got a very early glimpse into what that looked like. And once I realized that as soon as a Aside from allowance, if I could make my own money, I could do more things. So as soon as I could figure out a way, I, you know, was early, my early entrepreneurial ventures were kind of like taking balloons and tying little ends on them. And then, you know, being the middle person, getting balloons ready to go to the grocery store. But much later in my career, I actually took entrepreneurship as my major in university. And ironically, I didn't think I'd ever be an entrepreneur. I always thought I'm going to be a great number two. Like somebody else is going to drive the vision and I'm going to, I'm going to deliver. I'm going to get the details done. And it was through a series of events. I worked in real estate. I worked in green marketing in the agency space. I worked in experiential marketing and I kind of landed in tech in 2006. And it was that I worked for an agency then that was very entrepreneurial in nature. And when I kind of hit a glass ceiling working for that agency and I moved to San Francisco, I soon realized that San Francisco is very expensive. And so my first nature of like, how am I going to get a little extra cash was let's go ahead and start, you know, building some websites off the side of my desk. And soon that, you know, one thing turned into the next and within a couple of years and and it was really October, 2013, when I really made my side hustle into my main hustle and, and took the big dive. Gosh, I think about 2006 and thinking San Francisco is expensive. And then I think about today and how expensive it is now. (laughs) It's been such a shift Um, back in, you know, 2000, when we lived in California, we look back and we're like, man, we should have brought property back then. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it's interesting how, you know, some of us have a model for entrepreneurship within our household and, and may or may not even follow that path. And then others, you know, have no model for that. You know, with an Asian mother, I was like, I can be an engineer, I can be a doctor, I can be a lawyer. Those were like the, the, the parameters for me, like go to college, 
get a good job. <laughs> and there was this goal of like stability, you know, and, and what was expected of me. So when I went to college to be an artist, that was just a wrench in her whole plan. <laughs> oh, I'm sure growing up with artists as parents, the primary when we were really little was definitely be a doctor, be a lawyer, do anything but this wild, we love being artists, but it's not necessarily the most stable. And yet I ended up in kind of this like blend of art and business, because I do feel entrepreneurship is a bit of an art in its in its own way. It really is. It really is. And I do think, you know, I mean, I kind of dabbled in the marketing side of things, and I never thought I would go into marketing. Um, and I think I maybe still have the same mindset. You can confirm or deny whether or not I do, because we've partnered together. Um, I would get into marketing class and graphic design class, and I would present my work. And then I, the next person would present their work and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Like, don't choose mine. Go ahead and, and hire them. <laughs> and so I soon realized, like, I can't make a career out of this because I, I'm just so influenced by other people's work sometimes that I'm like, oh, that's so much better. Like, I, I recognize that that's not my area of expertise. Like, go ahead and hire that person. <laughs> um, and so... I, I said, you know, I can't stay on this path because I'll never make any money. Like, I just, I won't, I won't be able to keep a job. Um, and I now as, as a business owner and, you know, as partner to a few different agencies, I'm like, I still do that. I, I think I still do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that though. I feel like that is part of um, business. Simon Sinek wrote a really great book called um, The Infinite Game. And I love, I love Simon Sinek's work, but the infinite game was really talking about how business is not a finite game. A finite game is like chess or soccer when there's a beginning and an end, there's defined rules, there's known players. Business is that infinite game where it's not necessarily about winning or losing, it's about staying in the game. And I love that self-reflection moment when you can look at something and say, wow, they do so much better than us or their work is so great or it's so influential. And then you kind of look at your own stuff and you're like, we can do better, right? But I, I love that because that is really, to me, the spirit of competition is it's not, I don't want to be better than that agency. I want to be inspired by them. I want to see their work and I want to know that there's more possibilities. So I love that you're, you're both humbled and you're inspired by other people's work because I do find that is kind of the spirit of business and the spirit of ultimately why a lot of us agencies choose to partner is because there's so much work out there. And if we can all focus on our specialties and collaborate on that, you just get to build more amazing things together. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, when I'm in the midst of our work, sometimes I'm, I'm in the trenches and I don't think about like how inspiring it is, like what we're doing. But then when you get to hear the impact stories, kind of sometimes even years after the fact, you're like, oh my God gosh, that's so cool. I can't believe we worked on that. Yeah. Um, so that's been fascinating. And I think maybe, and I don't know that that's, you know, specific and unique to the social sector, but I definitely think that we've got some just really cool stories to share because we're in the social sector and people can relate to it in such an empathetic way, you know? So my question for you is like, do you have any just like really heart-wrenching, like pull at your heartstrings, like amazing stories of things that you've worked on that you're like, that's so cool. I can't believe we did that. Like the, the after effects of like being able to tell your team, like the impact of something. I know for me as CEO, it's been like 
let me pull you out of the pixels in the code for a few minutes and like really share something human. Have you had those moments? I have, I've had it with clients, but I have to say one of the earliest moments where I was, uh, the business was going and it was really moving along forward. And I had just started with a base of contractors and I had employed a contractor fairly consistently over a year, over a course of a year. And we'd worked really close and it was this woman. Um, and when we were working together, she pulls me aside and said, Anne, I just wanted to let you know that you're some of the most consistent contract work I've ever gotten in my career. And thanks to you, I can afford healthcare. And thanks to you, I got hearing aids. And thanks to you, I can hear my kids. I was like, buckets of tears. I was like, this is why we're here. It's like, yes, I love our clients. and I love working in the social sector, but know that I have direct impact on someone's life, on their family, on their ability to like hear their children. She soon became full-time when we operationalized her into being a canopian. But it was one of those things that I was like, this is why Canopy exists, is to create impact in the lives of our employees who then get to go and be change makers for our clients. And I know that as long as I take good care of my employees and they're happy and they're healthy, they will go out and be the change that we want to see. And because we work in digital, we have the ability to kind of really be, you know, create impact for so many clients. Um, you know, and I always think like one of the client stories that I love is we work with the Global Brain Health Institute and they're out there working on educating folks on how to prevent dementia and Alzheimer's because they're preventable diseases. But people don't know that because a lot of money goes to cancer research and all different types of research. But, you know, a lot of money hadn't been funneled towards Alzheimer's and dementia and just helping a program get off the ground that trains university folks and is out there, you know, evangelizing and raising money and doing all that was like, you know, really, really cool because my grandma you know, passed away from Alzheimer's. So it was like one of those things where even it even touches my heart because it was a, a, a thing I cared about. You know, we have other stories of working like with Covenant House and they came to us and they really wanted help with helping their website be more effective. They were spending all this money on ads, on Facebook ads, on TV ads, and they were all coming to the website, but it wasn't converting they want the way they wanted to. And that combines like our web work with some marketing firms we worked with at Covenant House to really define the buyer's journey from a donor's perspective and do deeper profiling on some of the newer, newer donors who the younger donors are more likely to give through work. And the older donors, like the more of the boomers, are still very responsive to direct mail pieces. So it's kind of looking at the best way that people respond to information, knowing that every single thing points back to the website. And that was really cool because our work in 2019 empowered them to have a very successful 2020 during the beginning of the pandemic. And then our work to pivot all of their outdoor things to online events. And instead of doing a full sleep out with all of your friends, you're doing a sleep out in your backyard, like that kind of work. And then to know that there's people out there that are able to access services because of our digital work together is, is so powerful. And it's super meaningful for our employees. They love doing this type of work. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And I think that, you know, I have so many stories from clients that were able to continue their operations and continue what they were doing because they were working with us before the pandemic. Um, and so we actually had a hard time, you know, with those who were kind of left behind. It didn't think about their digital strategy before it was like, 
crisis mode. We need it yesterday. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people were pulling things off the shelf of like, okay, well, this will work for now. And, and we'll piece these two things together um, and just doing whatever they could while they were in crisis mode. Um, but I think there's there's coming a time where there's a, a reevaluation of that strategy and what is the digital strategy? Because I think that this is gonna continue forward and being able to deliver programs in a meaningful way um, remotely. Yeah, and I think it's really opened. I mean, I, of course, I have a side hustle, which is running a little nonprofit. For of course, me. you have a side hustle. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a nonprofit uh, that we work on. It's called Bay Area Drupal. And it's all of the Drupal programming and efforts we do in the Bay Area. But it's interesting that now we will always, for inclusivity reasons, make sure that we can offer more digital to our in-person programming. It will never go back to fully in-person. There'll always be a component. And I think that just helped us recognize that even though our nonprofit is very Bay Area focused, all of a sudden we got this global reach. We we're able mm -hmm. to create impact beyond our traditional borders. So it just made us rethink the way that we're gonna offer programming going forward. So it's exciting, it's overwhelming. And I think a lot of nonprofits or people in the social sector, they are already challenged to do more with less and they're already challenged to take on, put on seven more hats. And I think this digital revolution has really kind of brought things up for, for people that work in our space or people that work in the space that we just had have had to be nimble. And, and figure out what's most important and kind of focus on that North Star and let everything else kind of fall away that's not really serving us. I think COVID, although COVID's not good for a lot of things, I think it did help us focus on what was most important. Yeah, and to that point of like just recognizing what's most important, I think that, you know, one thing that we've started to recognize is that we we've, were able to guide people towards, you know, uh, that MVP, like you don't have to do all the things. We recognize that building a community is really hard and you need all the features, but Facebook didn't start with all the features. If it did, I would have, I would have never used it. <laughs> it would have been too overwhelming. And so people do like to be eased into things. And it's, it's important to think about, you know, what's the, the best thing that we can put forward to build that community first and really build that trust and engagement. Um, and then how can we build upon that um, in a meaningful way? Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of other agencies that we decided to change the word from MVP to MLP, which means minimum lovable product. So what's lovable. the least we can get away with that we love the most? And I find clients resonate with that because that viable is like minimum viable product, like, oh, but if we can get to the place where we love what we're doing, but it's a small bite, the clients go, oh yeah, I like that. Let's, let's do a minimum lovable product. What's the least we can do that we love the most? And I think that's been so important because again, a lot of people have either gotten funding or they've gotten grants and they're like, we have all this money. It's like, but do, actually don't spend it all right now. Let's do a mm -hmm. proof of concept. Let's get out there. Let's see what your, you know, your community is like before we start building all these features. Like you said, Facebook started with likes <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. We used to poke people. Remember that back in the day? They used to I poked you. Like, what was that? That's just so silly. I think that's even deprecated. I don't think you can poke people on Facebook anymore. I have no idea because it's groups and it's this and it's that. And I think that's a lot of our work is community building is starting with that basic MLP.
FP or MVP. So, yeah, you know, and also, you know, taking things uh, in stride and just little pieces at a time and recognizing that you don't have to do it all at once. Being a B Corp, that's something that we also stepped into that we realized, you know, we're already doing a lot of these things. We're doing a lot of good, um, but there were a lot of things that we weren't measuring. And so, you know, like I said, every year we, we measure something different um, and we continue to grow there. And I think that that's, you know, a model for how you can also approach new technologies. Um, Canopy Studios also being a B Corp, you know, what was your entry into that and what uh, prompted you to kind of move in that direction? Well, we're still going through the process of actually getting finalized with our certification. So just for transparency, we're not fully certified, but we've got all of our paperwork organized and we have a community ambassador program. So we have a full-time dedicated person who volunteers their time in the community. And with 62 employees, we realized very soon like that wasn't enough. Right. And although we have a good diversity of staff and we do a lot of give backs, actually the pro bono work had to go up. Right. So that was great because we had a community program already in place, but it put more kind of um, governance and encouragement like it, it now gave a bigger reason to all team members of how we're going to do days of service and how we're going to be able to give back. And I think like just going through that process has been super illuminating because like you said, we're doing a lot of the right work. We're doing some of this already. And it gave us that structure to which we could measure. And I find one thing about being a business person is that once you start measuring something, you can then make a difference in it. But if you never measure it, you don't know. So once we started looking at, you know, even as being a totally digital, we don't have an office, we don't print anything like our suppliers. It's like we buy some t-shirts, like we actually didn't have a lot of suppliers. So it was about choosing strategic partners that we could for packaging or whatnot, but it really made us, you know, evaluate the choices that we were making. And I love that. I love the structure and the way that they measure things that actually matter. So it's interesting. So much of what I do now is even outside of the digital space. It's outside of, you know, the work that Cause Labs actually does day to day. It's not necessarily the website work. Um, and it's not just because I'm CEO and I'm doing like the business side, uh, legal and taxes and things like that. Um, it's also being influenced by how I'm making business decisions and being an advocate for those things. So I find that, you know, like not even just during the holidays, but throughout the year, my personal purchasing choices have changed and my lifestyle choices have changed. And that influences my friends, that influences my family, it influences our clients. So the way that we're operating as a business and some of the choices that we're making is actually impacting other businesses because of how we model that. It's yeah. been fascinating. I love that too. Because I do feel like the change always has to start here and then you can go out. If you try to change the world without really being sustainable in your own way, it's futile. But if you can really create a place of stability and sustainability and you're, you're choosing the right things, you know, choosing electric vehicles, you know, composting, and then getting my mom on board to compost, right? I remember being yee yay high when recycling was just becoming a thing. And I was, oh no, mom, this is how you do it, right? Like even as a little person trying to boss the world around, but there was this element of that, you know, you want to be the change yourself so that you can create impact for others. Yeah, and I definitely absolutely. found that with B Corp because we, we were helping all of our staff because we do work from home. 
Part of that is for them to have a green footprint in their homes. So providing some support and guidance and tools and resources for them was even just like that one level of being able to create impact in their families. So it's really cool. Yeah. I love I love the whole B Corp structure. And I love the community that's formed around it too, because a lot of us are willing to share those resources. You know, I mean, here are the, the places that we shop, here are the, you know, if you're into the sustainable development goals and measuring against the UN sustainable development goals, you know, here are the places that impact on uh, certain uh targets for the yeah. UN SDGs and things like that. So uh, we're sharing a lot of that, not just internally with our team, but also externally. And yeah, we've seen team members actually make uh, different choices with their spending habits as well and investing with their dollars where they are aligned with their values. Um, so it's been really great. That's great. So, well, um, let me ask you a question that's specific to the types of projects that y'all do at Canopy Studios. Like, what is your specialty? What's the project that comes in that you're like, this is perfect. I hope we get chosen for this one. It's so aligned with our values, so aligned with the work that we are excellent at. We love working in open source and we're big fans. We work in content management systems. So our specialty really is, is taking care of that whole life cycle of the website. So we don't do marketing campaigns. We don't do branding. And what we do do is we try to focus on kind of that whole life cycle, knowing that a lot of marketers or, or agencies sometimes build a website and then they launch it and they leave it. And so no wonder that people think they have to rebuild their website every three years. It would be like if you bought a house and then you never did anything. Well, I can guarantee your dishwasher, your fridge, your hot water, they'll all blow up eventually. So aside from maintenance, you wanna you know, keep things looking sharp. So our real specialty is helping those mission-driven clients taking care of that whole life cycle of the website. So whether a client shows up and says, hey, I need a brand new website, we can start with you know, the user research and the content strategy and the visual design and then move into development and then in through you know, accessibility, performance, launch, or someone can come to us with a site that's been around for two, three years, and we can make it look better, work better, act, you know, represent them in a stronger way, convert better. And I think that's a lot of agencies don't like touching other people's code. We're like, let's bring it, right? Because we do feel that a lot of marketers or, or mission-driven leaders, sometimes they get something built and they don't understand how complex it is. So we come in and we try to simplify, clarify, and just make it really easy. For people to use and so our sweet spot is really the website in the in the digital sphere of all the different things that you can do like we don't do salesforce projects we don't build apps right we really focus on that web content management experience and then we partner with you know agencies and partners a lot of them tend to be women-owned uh, and that's really where we love to have those synergies where we have a lovely branding firm or we have, you know, a lovely WordPress partner such as you folks that can take on certain clients or, you know, working with um, content strategists that are, you know, super specialized in higher education. So they just get it. And then our clients value that they love it. And then we support other, you know, women owned business in this space. Yeah, and I am growing my network of women-owned agencies and businesses uh, through this podcast. It's been wonderful. You know, there are some, some things that we didn't have a network for, and, and that is growing, so that's been fantastic. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, your specialty and, and your sweet spot and the, the 
sort of evolution of, of, of maintaining a project, I think the other side of that is that organizations also evolve. I mean, my business is not the same business that it was five or even 10 years ago, you know? And so to put a website out there and to not make any changes to it, not maintain it, one, the technology has definitely changed in that time frame. Um, design styles have changed in that time frame. What people are expecting have changed in that time frame. But programmatically as organizations, I feel like a lot of our partners, like they evolve and change and grow and scale and, and maybe not scale, you know, out regionally or nationally or anything like that, but just scale in the ability to do more programs, for example. Um, and so some of those things don't get represented if they don't maintain their website. Yeah. 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 We have some clients that we've had for 10 years and their website is still the original website that we worked on, but you'd never know because we've done iterative design updates, we've done integrations, and sometimes they get a little brittle at 10 years, it's time to start from scratch and just reimagine. But there's this, also this kind of this tribal knowledge we take of, okay, that's why you bolted that integration on. And oh, that's why you did that. Oh yeah, and that person that was here for a couple of years that was very passionate about that, built that. So it's interesting to kind of go through that full life cycle, even when we come to the very end of the project to say, okay, now let's reimagine, but let's leave this behind. Let's leave that behind. That no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really kind of fun to see those projects kind of, there is also those clients that come to us thinking they need to tear it down. And we say, maybe we can reimagine. Like maybe we don't have to tear it down. And then we get to take their budget and extend it farther because we don't have to do that base level work. So it's really fun working in our space and knowing that we take care of the whole life cycle and we're comfortable working on other people's code. It kind of opens up this new opportunity of of helping clients, not just for like a project, yay, you're done your website, go. But we actually get to build relationships and get to know them and go through the trials and tribulations of their life, whether they go on maternity leave and we have a new person come in and then that person, you know, and it's just like we become a little bit of the constant with some of the organizational change and to watch the organizations thrive and grow with our support from the website is, is a real magical place to be. Yeah, that's a part of it I really love too. I mean, you know, I'm all about the relationships and connections yeah, and right. like you, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> yeah. um, so, well, let's go back to what you were saying a few minutes ago about a lot of the agencies that you partner with actually are women owned. Are there any of those that you would like to do a shout out for today? Yes. So Siren Strategy, they do fantastic PR and social media campaigns. So we highly recommend working with them. They're fantastic. Um, And then we also have uh, Rooted, which is a Bay Area branding design. They do lots of Drupal and WordPress too. They actually, Val, one of the owners over there, she collaborates with me on this lovely little nonprofit that could, our little Bay Area Drupal. Uh, And then of course, I also want to do a big shout out to one of our larger agencies, Bistro in Vancouver. She's a San Francisco, you know, Vancouverite, kind of like me. I'm originally from Canada, but my heart's in San Francisco. And they do fantastic kind of larger scale marketing campaigns. Um, And I have a whole list that maybe I can include in your show notes because I do find that even though um, at first I didn't realize how much a minority a woman CEO is in the business space until I went to some CEO meetings and I was legit the only woman there. It's 20 men and one of me. And I'm like, what? 
I felt like the world was more equitable for some reason, because I tend to circle with a lot of female CEOs. And that's when I really realized it was part of my, my personal mission to help other female entrepreneurs get through where they're going and help them with, with tips and tricks or lean on each other for advice or networking. Uh, so I kind of, I, uh, that's why when we met, I was like, oh, Cheryl, you're my people because you get some of the challenges we have being in a very male dominated industry and in a very male dominated role. Yeah. And I think we both have that abundant mindset. Like there's plenty of work out there. Um, we're happy to collaborate on things. We're happy to pass things over. If like, for example, we don't do Drupal and we know y'all are experts at that, you know? So, you know, it's just, it's been a wonderful way to not only develop these partnerships and, and sort of agency collaboration and allow our agencies to, to flex and scale and grow the way that they need to. Um, but I, I feel like I'm doing something that I maybe didn't really like set out to say, hey, I want to help other women entrepreneurs. Um, but I feel like for many years now, I've kind of been telling my story of like, I feel like some days it was so easy and that it just kind of all fell into my lap and everything, the universe aligned <laughs> and yeah. why can't everybody do it? But then at other times I tell my story and I'm like, it was so hard. Like, yeah. My mother had to sacrifice so much. I had to make these decisions. My husband had to make these decisions. You know, like there were moments where it was like, I needed so many supporters to get to where I am today. And I think that that's hard because we don't necessarily know what that support looks like or how to accept it all the time. Yeah. Um, so the reason for this podcast, yeah. And I would love that for our show notes because the reason for this is to introduce people who are interested into all the different agencies that they could potentially, you know, tap into and whether they're collaborating with them or hiring them or just lifting them up and giving them shout outs. Like it's, yeah. there are so many women-owned agencies out there that deserve some, some kudos and some recognition. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like actually one of our a mutual friends tour reached out and from Hooked on Code. Yeah, I remember I was at WordCamp US and I was sitting at a lunch table and here's this woman just and she's just typing away. And I said, are you programming or writing really fast emails? She's like, both. I was like, both. what do you do? Like, oh, I run this business. I'm a CEO. I was like, oh, let's talk, right? And I like totally like sidelined her. I was like, just come and talk to me for a second. And we ended up talking and she was like, oh, you have a team. You're at that time. I think we were about 40. How'd you get to 40? I said, with a lot of mistakes. So let me, let me show you one of the things like maybe don't do this or maybe do do that. And we ended up spending all lunch hour just talking and talking and talking. And then she reached out probably two, three months later and said, I took your advice. I read Profit First, which is one of the books I always recommend on, on how to manage your money. And she's like, it changed my life. I was like, that's great. She's like, do you have any other books? I was like, okay, what about story brand? And talking about- you know, Oh, I love story brand. Kind of flipping the narrative. Oh, I love that, right? And so I love when we get to have those organic moments where I meet another female girl boss and they're like, you know, ready and hungry and, and they just, they go for it. And that's part of like, I find so rewarding because then, you know, six months, a year down the road, they turn back like I have eight employees and I'm doing this. And it's just, I think it's so rewarding. So, you know, again, thank you for having me on this podcast. And I always encourage any female entrepreneurs to reach out, whether you're, you know, thinking of starting a business or you have a business or, 
you are tired from running your business because I think we've all been there in that space and we juggle we juggle a lot on top of our business including family and, and other needs so yeah, absolutely thank you so much Anne. wonderful to talk to you today and you and I will definitely talk more soon sounds good thanks so much for having me <laughs>